0: Amen. If it's your first time here today, we want to welcome you to New Philly. This is the Taiwan campus. New Philadelphia Church is made up of four campuses now. Uh, We have one, we have actually three in Korea, two here in Seoul, and Taiwan was planted in 2010, and the main campus is called Hillside. We have another one down in Busan called Seaside, and then we Just recently have been preparing and starting up a church plant in Sydney, Australia. And so uh, any of you guys like Vegemite or you're from Australia, you can go down there and worship with us as well in Sydney. We just came back last week from a powerful leadership retreat. Come on. It was powerful. Amen, leaders. Come on, somebody. And, uh, And I say that. To say to those who are not leaders, that they're, that here in this house, we're a house that, you know, our God is a God of order. And God doesn't just entrust authority to any knucklehead that walks down the street. Anybody who just prays the sinner's prayer. He doesn't just start entrusting kingdom and authority to them. No, it comes through faithfulness. It comes through faithfulness. It comes through submission. It comes through coming into the house of God and saying, you know what? Not my will, but your will be done. And then as you begin to submit, as you begin to walk in the ways that God has ordained, he begins to entrust you with more and more authority. And so here in this house, we recognize that with something called leadership. And here in this house, leadership has meaning. It's not just some term that we throw around, but the vision of this house is to raise up an army of mighty warriors. Some of you may say that sounds militant. That sounds a little cray cray. That's okay. You know, the history of Itaewon was that armies came in and they just continually brought death and destruction. But God's raising up an army here in this house that's going to bring life. And so I want to invite you, even if you are new to this church, even if it's your first time here, get, get in. Don't just stand on the outskirts and be an observer, you know, to the victors go to spoils. And when we stand before God, there will be some whom he rewards for the sacrifices they make and and the time they put in to expanding his kingdom. He will reward us according to our deeds. And I really believe that here in this house, God's raising up a troop of people who will be richly rewarded in heaven. Amen? Amen. Today is the final sermon in our core values, the uh, uh, remix series. Just turn to your neighbor. We're going to do it one last time. Turn to your neighbor. Say, you think, you know, the core values. But this is the uh, 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 remix. Uh, 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 <laughs> Are Both of those heaters off. It's a little hot up here. OK, yeah, it's, it's a little toasty. I'm about to get a tan. It's crazy. This is the last sermon in the core value series. We've started off with be extravagant in worship. Freedom is for everyone. Father, the fatherless, be faithful in the small things. Come on. What's the next one? Anointing flows from the top down. The next one. Come on. Roll with the punches. Supernatural is natural. Last week, I preached on contentment for the kingdom. And this week, the last one, everyone say it together. Dream big. Turn to the person, tell him God, God wants you to dream big. He wants you to dream big. Come on. I got an echo. I want you to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter one. We're going to read one verse there, verse 28. Then I want you to skip over to Genesis chapter 12. So Genesis chapter 128, then Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read Genesis 128. It says, and God blessed them. It's talking about Adam and Eve. And God blessed them. And God said to them. Adam and Eve as representatives of all of creation, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Skip over to Genesis 12, one to three. Now, the Lord said to Abram. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And now, just turn over one more page to Genesis 15. And this is the Lord also speaking to Abraham. Abram again, who's later known, renamed as Abraham. And the Lord speaks to him verses five and six. It says that he, meaning God, brought him, Abram, outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Close your eyes, bow your heads and pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is evidence, God, that you want us to dream big, that you did not put us on this earth, God, to be fruitless and God to be barren. But you put us on this earth to be fruitful and multiply. You put us on this earth, God, that we would be blessings, not just to ourselves, not just to our families, but that all the earth would be blessed through us, God. And Lord, I thank you, God, that the dreams and visions you spoke to your people, even at the beginning of all creation, Lord, I thank you, God, that you speak it to us now. And so, Lord, I pray that as your word is preached, God, would it not fall on hard hearts or deaf ears? But God, would it fall on good soil that it would bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold? I pray, God, that from this word that your people would be set free, that from this word, God, that your people would be inspired that your people would be built up, that your people, God, would be raised up, God, to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. God, we bind every lying spirit. We bind every mocking work of the devil. We bind every work of the enemy that would try to dissuade or discourage your people. And, God, we declare that today is the day that you have made. And we're rejoicing in it today, and we're glad in it. So we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. See, God wants you to dream big. Everyone say, dream big. God wants you to dream big. Ephesians 3, it says, now to him, talking about God, who is able to do far more abundantly more than what we ask or imagine. According to the power that's already at work within us, God wants you to dream big. You know, in America right now, there's this popular song called Royals by this uh, artist. Her name is Lord with an E. And she's actually from New Zealand, and all of a sudden this song's gotten really big, and it talks about the chorus of the song is, you know, we'll never be royals. We're never going to be royalty. We're never going to become big things. We're never going to do amazing stuff. We don't want the flashy things because our lives, we're never going to be royals. We're never going to be royalty. It's, like, popular right now. It's blowing up all over the states. I saw, you know, Pentatonix on YouTube, this acapella group. They did a cover. It's cray-cray. And cray cray means crazy, by the way. For some reason, I've been using it in like every sentence. Pray for me. Okay. But this song, I was listening. I I heard this song and I I heard this song and, and I was listening to it and I found it so peculiar. I found it so peculiar that this song that millions of people are buying is literally telling them, don't dream big. I found it funny that the the girl who's singing is saying, don't dream big, but she's making millions of dollars. I'm like, hold up. You're telling the world not to dream big as you realize your dreams. That's how the devil works. See, the devil tells you your dreams live small, live a small life. Your impact. Choke them. Just get by just good enough. While he continues to try and expand his reign on the earth, he's trying to sit on the throne and trying to have you kneel. Don't dream big. I found it so interesting that millions of young people in America right now, they're listening to this song. They're like, "Mm," and they're getting the message. that I should never dream big to a hip hop beat. I was like, wow, the devil is a liar. See, many of us have been force-fed this message that we are not to dream big. That you are just a speck. You are just a, a little, you know, you are just one blade of grass in a huge field. You are one molecule of H2O in an ocean. What kind of effect can you have? Many of us laugh, but then when God approaches us with a dream, when God speaks to us, when God puts destiny inside of us, all of us, we say, oh, I don't know about that. We start speaking in tongues to God. But God wants you to dream big. He did not put you on this earth to have small dreams. He did not put you on this earth To just get by and have your, your, you know, your wife and your two kids and a dog. No, through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, God took this man, Abram, and and Abram was not, he was a pagan. His family lineage was a pagan. There was nothing righteous that he did, but God called him out. His wife was barren and God speaks to him and says, check it out. I, I like you. I don't know why I like you. I just like you. And I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing because it's not enough just to be blessed. I'm going to make you a blessing. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then the next day, he takes him out and he gives him an astronomy lesson. Here, hey, hey what's, come, on, come on outside, Abram. So he walks out of, I don't know, his tent. I doubt he had like a, you know, two-story hut. He walks out. And God's like, yo, look up. It's not like soul where there's smog. Count the stars. Count the stars. You ever try counting the stars? In Seoul, it's easy. One, two. <laughs> but where he was looking, it was stars covering the entire sky. Count the stars. He's speaking to a man who where his wife is barren, everything is against him. And he says, so shall your offspring be. That is dreaming big. That is a dream outside of, I'm, I'm sure Abraham was like, what? Don't you know who I'm married to? But God says, no, no, I want you to dream big. He does it throughout the entire Bible. We see constant stories of God approaching men and women with dreams. We see God approaching with dreams, with big vision, with big purpose for their life. He approaches Joseph, who is, you know, the second. He's not the youngest, but he's the next to youngest, and he's the favored one. You know, he gets to wear the coat of many colors. You know, he's the most fashionable guy among his brothers. And God gives him a dream. Now he interprets it a little funny, but God still gives him his dream bigger than anything he can imagine. God wants you to dream big. You know, actually, but I want to make a distinction. And this is actually where I'm going to focus most of the message. Because, you know, God, He wants you to dream big. He He says to us, dream big. He says, Count the stars, so shall your offspring be. But there's a difference. Dreaming big is not about having god-sized dreams. It's not about having god-like dreams. Dreaming big is not about having god-sized dreams that are so amazingly big and god-like dreams that are so amazingly big. It's about having God's dreams. I'm going to say that again. Dreaming big is not just about having it's not about having god-sized dreams or god-like dreams. It's about having God's dreams. God has dreams for your life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, we've heard the message about having God-sized dreams or God like dreams. All of, you know, if you go to any bookstore and you look at all the popular books for today, especially the self-help ones. It's all about follow your passion, find your dreams, find out who you are and go for it. You go, 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 go 10 steps for you to find your passion and dream. The world tells us, you know, you have that one song, you know, where people are saying you don't dream big, but for the most part. Everything else, there's a huge industry built on telling people to follow your passion, dream big, you will rule the world. And so we have these huge dreams. But the question isn't whether or not we have big dreams. The question is whether or not we have God's dreams. You read, you saw Genesis 128, right? God speaks to Adam and Eve, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is a big dream. Think about it. He goes to two people and says, check it out. Just look around. Look around. Just, walk, just look around, Adam and Eve. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that? I want you to feel it. You too. Fill it. <laughs> I can imagine Adam and Eve looking at each other like, what? what? Fill it. Take dominion. Rule it. Steward it. Be blessed in it. But then turn turn over one page. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. See, that's a God dream. You notice Adam and Eve, they did not initiate that dream. They Abraham, God initiated that dream. Joseph, Joseph did not initiate that dream. Who initiated it? God. Daniel, the apostles. we see all throughout scripture, when people had dreams, they did not initiate it. It was not follow your passion. It was God speaking to them and saying, follow my passion. See, if you have a big size dream and it's a God size and a God like dream, but God's not in it, you will be depressed. You will be broken. You will be filled with shame and disappointment. But if it's a God's dream, if it's God's dream, he's committed to seeing it happen. There's a huge difference. Huge. Let's look at Genesis chapter three. I think that's it. Genesis chapter three, four to five. The serpent said to the woman, this is after he's approached her in the garden and God has said, listen, I want you to fill this entire i give you dominion over everything except for this one tree because I want to keep you from this tree. If you touch this tree, it's gone. You will surely die. Everything that you touch will come to destruction. And then the serpent comes with his lies. And he says, you will not surely die. Verse 4 and 5. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. All of a sudden, Satan takes what was a God dream, and he starts to make it a God-like dream. They were, they were supposed to live according to God's vision and dream, and then all of a sudden Satan comes in and says, hey, hey, hey here, I'm going to give you a different dream. Yeah, you can fill the earth and subdue do it, but I got something better for you. You can be God. You can, you can rule over the earth. You can be him. You can be the one who makes all the decisions, and then everyone else bows to you, and you are God. See, it's important to make this distinction because we got a lot of people who have huge dreams, but they're God-like dreams and not God's dreams. Chasing after things that maybe God has not spoken. I want you to ask yourself, are my dreams God's dreams or are they God-like dreams? See, God wants you to dream big, but we got to make this distinction. If not, then people start running off in different directions. What happens is you start doing what is right in your own eyes. Judges 21, 25 says, it's the last verse of Judges. After there's no more judge, it says, in those days, there was no more king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Let me follow my dream. Let me follow my passion. Let me do what I want to do. It's my world. You're just living in it. Ecclesiastes 5, 7, this is Solomon speaking. He says, for when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. Now, he's not talking about God's dreams. He's talking about man's dreams, man's desires, man's. Where dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, self-centeredness. But God is the one whom you must fear. Some of you are like thinking, oh, snap, I didn't expect him to go this direction. He flipped the script. But it's important because we can have a congregation of a ton of people who dream big. But if we're not dreaming the right dreams, we end up with a bunch of people who are disillusioned, self-centered and broken. I'll give you some characteristics of God-like or God-sized dreams, but not God's dreams. Number one, they're man-initiated. They're man-initiated. And the focus is on the glory of self. Think about your dreams as being a movie. For the God-like dreams, you are the main character and God is the supporting actor. At the end of the day, you get the Emmy, you get the the award, and God, he's on the side. The focus is on the glory of self. What drives a person with God-like or God-sized dreams? Fear of failure, disappointment, fear of lack. See, what drove Adam and Eve to eat the fruit in the garden was lack. Lack. Satan, he deceived them and said, you don't have everything. You don't have authority. God's not going to give you it all. So you got to take matters into your own hands. And that's what drives a person who has a godlike dream, but not God's dreams. Also, it impacts your relationship with other people. Other people become just the vessels to make your dream happen. Think about that with your dreams. Are, are other people just the vessels to open doors for you? And then also what usually happens is your faith, your prayer, and your time in God's word gets sacrificed at the altar of your dream. All of a sudden, your faith is, is starting to weaken. All of a sudden, your time in the word, your time connecting with God in prayer begins to weaken and weaken and weaken. Why? Hey, because I'm pursuing my dream. I'm pursuing my, it's my passion. It's, my, it's what I'm supposed to do, right? And then what happens is when you fail, because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, or you face obstacles, or the result is depression, shame, and feelings of rejection with God. And then if you achieve it, then you don't feel successful. You feel empty. I read a, I read a, a book by um, Ravi Zacharias, Acarius, however you pronounce his last name, and he was talking about how in England he went and he was, he was ministering to some of the, the wealthiest businessmen in England, and he found it funny because when he talked to them, they, they all had achieved their dreams, but they all were empty. They all felt completely empty. They all didn't feel fulfilled. They all felt like And he said, actually, that was the perfect opportunity to preach the gospel to them and show them that their fulfillment was not in achieving their dreams, but in Jesus. See, we got to establish this. We got to establish this first before we talk about God's dreams so that you can start to discern what you're following. If you're following the voice of the Holy Spirit. Or if you're following yourself or the voice of some other spirit. You know, if you look in Korea, you have young people that are constantly getting plastic surgery and doing so many things to get their dream. And they have huge dreams of becoming pop stars, stars megastars that influence all of Asia, huge, big dreams. But then you find out that all these entertainers are committing suicide. Why is that happening? It's because it's a godlike dream, not God's dream. God's dream for their life was not for them to make it to the top of the mountain and then commit suicide. God's dream was not for them to achieve it and then to feel empty. God's dream for their life was not for them to achieve the top of the business mountain, but their family is broken. God's dream is not for you to just achieve a certain place, but then at the cost of everything else. God's dream is not for you to get to that place at the expense of your relationship with him. It's not his desire. That's not his hope for your life. That's not his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, God's dreams are different than God-like dreams. See, God's dreams, God initiates. God's dreams, at the center of it, God's the main character and we're the supporting actors. In God's dream, the focus is not on our glory, it's on his glory and we get to share in it. In God's dream, our families, our faith, all these things, they don't get broken at the expense of the dream. But in fact, they get strengthened as we arrive at the place where God wants us to be. Our families don't get broken and get sacrificed at the altar of our dreams. But what happens is that because Jesus has been laid on the altar and he was sacrificed on behalf of us and we follow his voice, what begins to happen is that all the families of the earth get blessed through us as we arrive at God's dream. See, ooh, God's dreams are good. Nahum seven says the Lord is good. He... He cares for those who trust in him. He's a refuge in the day of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. See, I don't want you to follow God-like dreams, church. I don't want you to be going to the, to the left and to the right and following all these other things that in the end, in the ways that seem right to a man, but in their end, there's just destruction. I don't want that for you. See, what I want is for you to stand before God at the end of your days and he say, well done good and faithful servant come and enter into your master's rest what i want is for you to get and this is what god wants for you to get to that place and you all you have is nothing but joy there's no more there's no confusion because you know that you're in the center of his will see when we have god-like dreams and all of a sudden these different attacks come we've so much confusion Because we're at the center. But whenever attacks come and and we're in God's dreams, even if they come, we know who's at the center. And it's not us. It's Christ. That's what gives us the strength to keep going. Hmm. See, in in the story of Joseph, we see see a, a person who has a God dream, but then he, because of sin, he twists it to be like a godlike dream, right? He interprets it the wrong way, but when he got that dream, his brothers attacked him. Why? Because he had God's dream. You know, when you have God's dream in your life, all the hounds of hell will come against you, but when you're pursuing a God-like dream, yeah, you'll have some haters here and there, but for the most part, Satan's like, cool, go ahead, do you, Nothing's changing. I can continue to expand my reign and my authority. But whenever you start pursuing, and that's why for some people, they don't want, we won't, don't want to go after God's big dreams. But I want to tell you, when you pursue God's dreams, there's resistance. That's because you're going to actually bring real change and impact. I want to talk about three ways for you to know God's dreams, three steps because we want God's dreams. Amen. Amen. See, true success is not just doing our own thing. True success is doing what the father calls us to do. Jesus said when he walked through, he didn't Jesus didn't even do his own thing. He said, I only do what I see the father doing. I only do what my father commands me to do. Jesus is understanding and Jesus is the perfect representative. He's the perfect example of what our life should look like. And Jesus lived a pretty big life, I'd say. He had some pretty big dreams when you say redeeming all of mankind from sin, you know, healing all who came to him from oppression, breaking the back of demonic bondage everywhere. He went exposing religion and establishing his church on the earth to transform the world for 2000 years. I think that's pretty big dreams, right? I don't think many of us have dreams like that. But still, he walked and he said, I only do what I see the father doing. I only do what my father's commanded, which meant that Jesus understood he was not even it wasn't dreams. He initiated. It was dreams that God the father had. So let's talk about how to know God's dreams for your life. Number one, you got to meditate on the word of God. It sounds simple because it is simple. God doesn't want you to have to go and do all these different things to figure out his will for your life. His will is plainly written here. He actually makes it really simple for us because he loves us. He's a good father. And so he puts it all here. The question is, do we read it? (laughs) Do we meditate on it? Do we take it as word from our father? Because check it out. If you want to live God's dreams, you got to know what's in his heart. You got to know what burns inside of him. You got to know what he's talking about. You got to know what concerns him. You got to know. David said, I hate what you hate and I love what you love. Why? Because he constantly meditated on the word of God. See, when you spend time in the word of God, constantly meditating on it, chewing on it, praying into it, what begins to happen is all of a sudden God's beginning to release vision for what he wants to do in your life. You know creativity inspiration the most creative person in the entire universe his name is god and he is the he's the source of all inspiration he's the source of our creativity he's the source of it all but we got to know his heart you know john one says that jesus he's the word the word became flesh and it says that jesus is the light And the life of man in the darkness is not overcoming. That means that when we begin to meditate on his word, we begin to meditate on who Jesus is. All of a sudden, light begins to shine into our hearts. Light begins to shine into our destinies. Areas in our hearts that we thought were dead. Callings that we thought were dead. God begins to breathe life into it. Why? Because that's what the word of God does. See, I want to ask you a question. Where do you go for inspiration? Do you go to movies, YouTube, music, new age spiritualism, secular books to get inspired? I'm not saying that God can't use them. I'm not saying that God can't use them. But if you're going to those things more than the word of God, I promise you, you're going to walk away with a God-like dream and not God's dream. You know, earlier this year i was reading a lot of secular books and i felt like i was i felt like i was leading me to them and i was reading them and i was reading them and then i started reading one book by an author by the name of seth godin and it was this book called the icarus deception and i had heard people talk about the book and i was reading it and i was like oh man this is man, this is good. This is like he took it from the Bible or something. Oh, man, wow, wow. And then I get halfway through and he starts talking about spirit guides and yoga and stuff. And I'm like, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, yep, it's time for you to stop reading these books. (laughs) And I realized that All these books I was reading other than the word of God put my focus primarily on myself, primarily on my own glory, primarily on me being satisfied in my own passion and not on God's passion. When your biggest sense of fulfillment, your biggest excitement, the biggest sense of being exactly where you need to be will only come from God. It only comes from connection with Jesus. It does not come from the world. God may sometimes use it, but it is not the sole source. I need you to hear me. Because if you don't meditate on the word of God, if you don't spend your time in the word of God, if you're not finding yourself there, you will find yourself somewhere else. See, Jesus said that if you, you seek your life, you try to go out and find yourself, you will lose yourself you go out into the world and you try to find your destiny find your passion find your calling you will lose it and at the end of the day you'll find that you're just like everyone else see there's only one real radical thing in the earth and it's called following jesus only one everything else is just in this melting pot this little smorgasbord of stuff that tastes real bad makes you sick there's only one and it's following him. So you gotta meditate on his word. You gotta spend time in his word. You gotta know what's on God's heart. In religious churches and religious places, what usually happens is that they snuff out your desire to dream big, and so then you read the word of God as if it was a religious activity. But when you recognize that God wants you to dream big, God has big plans for your life, then this thing doesn't become some religious book. It becomes the very thing that's going to lead you to the place you need to be. That's very different. The second thing. You need to invest in true community. You need to invest in community. You have to invest in community. Why? Because God's dreams are not all about you. Abraham, the dream that God gave Abraham, it was about generations, families, the word that God gave to Joseph. The dream that he gave to Joseph. Yeah, it was about Joseph, but actually it was about all of Israel. What God deposits in your life is not just about you, it's about everyone else around you. And so you've got to put yourself in community. See, God's dreams are not about your own personal vision fulfilled. It's about God's vision for people. And God's vision, I'm going to tell you about God's dream. God's dream is that every eye will see, every ear will hear, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. God's dream is that every single person, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. God's dream is that there will be no more death, no more sorrow. He will wipe away every tear from the eye and there will be nothing but joy and gladness in all the earth. That's God's dream. You know, God's dream is that his bride, whom he ransomed, will stand together with the spirit and say, come, Lord Jesus. That's God's dream. And God wants you to be a part of that dream. That means that you go into the seven mountains, you go into all these places and you bring people into the place where they realize their real fulfillment. Their real dream is bowing before Jesus, confessing his lordship and trusting him with their lives. That's God's dream. See, God's dream is for all the families of the earth to be blessed through you. God's dream is for righteousness, peace, and joy to flow through the Holy Spirit in his kingdom. Think about your dreams. Like, righteousness, peace, joy, love. Everywhere you go, that's a big dream. When I get on the subway, I don't even see that. But God's dream is for that everywhere. And he wants you to be a part of that. But people with God-like or God-sized dreams don't get that. Instead, those God-like dreams cause you to isolate yourself from community. Or if you do become a part of community, what begins to happen is that we start to use people to get us where we want to go. And a popular term for this is called networking. you know, networking is not the same as community. Joseph tried to network. See, when Joseph got his dream and he told it to his brothers and his brothers, they sold him into slavery because they hated that God dream that he had had. And he got sold into slavery. He prospers in Potiphar's house. Then he goes and then he, Potiphar's wife is crazy. And, you know, Joseph was good looking apparently. And so she just went after Joseph and Joseph, man of valor. And then she says he raped that. He, she says, like, oh, he raped me or he did all this stuff. And then he gets put in prison. And then when he's in prison, he meets the cupbearer. And what was the other guy? It was the, the baker, right? And so the cupbearer and the baker. And he meets him. And Joseph thinks, aha, I've got this dream. Aha, ha, ha, ha. I'm going to interpret these guys' dreams and it's going to get me where I need to go. Right? Joseph's idea was, I'm going to connect with them to get me where I need to go. Not, I'm going to actually invest in their lives because I love them and care for them. See, God will get you to where you need to be. But if you don't invest in community, you won't have the character to sustain where he's taking you. Instead, you'll get to where you need to be and you will rule over people. Jesus says that, that the Gentiles, the way they look at authority is that they lord over it and they rule. But not so with you. No the greatest among you will be a servant. See when you begin to invest in community what begins to happen is God begins to forge real relational bonds that will actually release you into your destiny. Therefore when you get released into the place that God has for you you're not alone. See networking is like I'm going to step over you to get where I need to be and then you're still alone. No one else is being blessed through you in that. And then the third is to trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3 5 to 8. 5 to 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will. Make straight your paths. And usually we stop right there, but I'm going to continue. Verse 7. Do, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You know, the quickest way to receive God's dream for your life is to just trust him and surrender your life. See, No one can serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. And if you don't want to bring God a full surrender, then he's battling another God. And that God is probably you. It's us, right? And so even that destiny and that calling, he wants to speak to you. He can't speak it because you all up in the way. You know, it's funny in in the story of Abraham, God, God does something really interesting with Abraham. He speaks to him the promise. And it says that Abraham built an altar and he worshiped later on. It says he speaks him again. Abraham builds an altar and he worships. But then Isaac is born. Isaac is born. And Isaac is like the first fruits of this promise that God has given him. But instead of God speaking once again to Abraham, his promise, instead of him once again reiterating the dream to him. Now that Isaac is being born, God says something completely different. He says, oh, now that Isaac's born, I want you to take your son, Isaac, climb the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice your son. He gave them big dreams. He spoke to him those huge dreams and then. Abraham worship. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yes, that's awesome. And then all of a sudden, God flips the script and he says, this dream I want you to bring before me now. And the funny thing is, is after he does that, after he brings Isaac up to the altar and he, he makes the altar and Isaac's like, you know, hey, hey, pops, what you doing? You know, you know what you doing? Where that's the that looks like an altar right there. Where where the, where the lambs at? I don't hear any. I don't hear any bad right now. What's going on? Okay, just come here, Isaac. Come here, son. You know, Isaac's a better son than I am. <laughs> Why you gotta be me so mean, Daddy? And right as he's about to slay his own son, God says, Don't kill him. But no, look in the thicket I've provided. And then after he looks, after he realizes that Abraham Will go as far as to lay everything down. He says, Because you fear me, because you will not withhold anything from me. And what does he do? He speaks the dream to him again. I'm going to bless you and multiply you through you. All the families of the earth will be blessed. I, he, I will do this amazing thing in your life because you trusted me and you surrender. You want clarity? You want to know what God's dream is? You got to lay it all down. You got to lay it all down. And I want to tell you that it wasn't like God was calling Abraham to lay down a bad thing. Isaac was actually a very good thing. See, sometimes it's not the bad things you need to lay down. It's the good things. It's the things that you look to when no one else is around for pleasure. It's the things that you go to for comfort. It's the things that that you see as being great, but God says, hey, you want me to expand that dream? You want a dream big? You want my dream? You got to lay that down. I'm Lord over your life. See, all of this is because God is good. He knows that if if this doesn't take place, We'll end up up with these these huge dreams, but we're at the center. And if we're at the center, it doesn't happen. But if God's at the center, he is the God who created the heavens and the earth. All power and authority is through him. He created all things, and by his will, they exist and were created. If he's at the center of it all, I promise you, God is willing to take us along for the ride. You will arrive at the place that he's calling you to go to.